Listener Production. Hello, Tom Tilly with you for The Briefing. In this episode, we're talking about dating apps and how to make them as safe as possible when there are so many challenges. There are things like love bombing, sugar dating, gaslighting, stealthing, trauma bonding, stonewalling, nagging and deflecting and a whole range of other potential harms. We'll bring you that interview with the e-safety commissioner, Julie Iman Grant, She's just had a meeting with the Australian heads of Tinder, Hinge and Bumble, so we're going to find out what's being done to stop dangerous people using dating apps. Before we get to that, today's headlines, it is Monday the 6th of February and I'm joined by Katrina Blowers. Hey everyone, well the US has shot down a giant Chinese balloon believed to have been spying on American military sites. President Joe Biden ordering the balloon be brought down by Air Force fighter aircraft off the coast of Southern Carolina on Saturday. They decided that the best time to do that was as it got over water outside within our within 12 mile limit. It successfully took it down. And I want to compliment our aviators who did it. Joe Biden there speaking to CNN after that balloon was shot down. It was pretty cool to watch. A lot of American media outlets reported it live. Uh, It was the size of two or three buses. It was much bigger than I thought it was going to be. And it was flying about 18 kilometres up in the air. Yeah, so China's come out saying uh, this was an overreaction. Um, that they've expressed strong dissatisfaction and it was a civilian weather balloon that had accidentally entered the US airspace. Hmm. <laughs> I don't know about that. Yeah. So over the next few days, the FBI are going to analyse it and then we'll find out what it actually was. Hopefully we'll find out what sort of data it was collecting. It made its way off a fair chunk of the US. I guess they were waiting for it to get over water for them to bring it down. They didn't want to harm any civilians. But fortunate timing for Joe Biden. He's due to deliver his State of the Union address this week. And he's also tipped to divulge whether or not he may run again. Um, And if he does, by the end of his second term, he's going to be in his late 80s. Wow. Big news on the drugs front, Uh, MDMA and psilocybin, the active ingredient in magic mushrooms, will be available in Australia via prescription. We're set to become the first country in the world to do this. Um, They're being prescribed as mental health treatments. So the Therapeutic Goods Administration, our drug and medicine regulator, announced that from July, people with depression and PTSD could be given the medication from their psychiatrist. So it's gonna be very tightly controlled. You can't just get it from your GP, only via a psychiatrist. And as we know, Katrina, those appointments are very hard to get. Yeah, they are. But I think how great that Australia is blazing the trail in this regard. There's been anecdotal evidence, some scientific evidence too, that this stuff works in microdosing for people who've tried everything else. So go Australia. A teenage girl has died after a shark attack in Perth's Swan River over the weekend. 16-year-old Stella Berry was riding a jet ski with friends when she spotted a group of dolphins in the water and swam out to see them. Authorities are still investigating what type of shark is responsible for the attack. Premier Mark McGowan says it was likely a bull shark. The safety of the river is now going to be reviewed and the state government will look at what can be done to stop similar incidents from happening again. I guess though, Tom, a lot of residents were thinking that the Swan River was a really safe place Mm. to swim. There was another shark attack, but that one happened nearly 100 years ago to the day this one happened. So not very often. 
Yeah, extremely unlikely, extremely unlucky for that girl and now her grieving family. But what can you do to stop it? Well, almost nothing really. And the chances of it happening again are very unlikely as well, unless there's been a major change in, I guess, that ecosystem, which will be interesting to know. And the woman who, I love this story, took... (laughs) The woman who took (laughs) Prince Harry's virginity in the field behind the pub when he was 17 has spoken out. She's revealed her identity. Um, He wrote about this in his memoir, Spare. I didn't know Harry was a virgin at the time. Um, It wasn't until probably the next morning when I actually thought about it. I was a bit, oh no, not because of him being a prince. It was just the fact that I'd slept with one of my friends and it was Harry. (laughs) So funny. So her name is Sasha Walpole. She was two years older than Harry Um, She's now a digger driver. Um, She's spoken to the Sun newspaper. She said that rumours were circulating, so she felt she had to tell the story in her own words. She also said she was surprised that he wrote about it in his memoir. I think it's funny, you know, we've all had this idea in our heads of this much older woman, Mm. maybe 10, 15, 20 years. She was only, in fact, two years older than him. (laughs) Um, I've seen pictures of them all hanging out as friends and they just looked like they were having a good time. It kind of looked like a bit of innocent fun. I reckon this might be PR from Harry. He said, look... Sasha, could you speak out? I need to be endeared back to the British people and they'll love this story. I know I certainly do. Because I think this is the, the Harry that a lot of people know and love. You yeah. Know, the, yeah. Ra- the rascal from back in the day. And it's set to be a big night at the Grammys with the 65th Awards taking place in LA today. We can expect all of the biggest names in music to be there. I'm looking forward to the fashion in particular. Uh, Beyonce is leading the nominations with nine in total. Kendrick Lamar is close behind with eight. 91 different categories this year from Best New Age to Ambient or Chant Album. Don't really have many of those in my collection. Uh, Album of the Year, though, is always the biggest prize. And the comedian Trevor Noah is hosting the awards show for the third year running. Hosting those awards shows is always an extremely Mm. tough gig. No matter who you are, people say that you can never really do that great a job. So we'll see whether Trevor can bring it home. Yeah, and um, Beyonce is already the most awarded um, woman in Grammy's history, winning 28 times. But um, I kind of hope she wins again. I think it's great that she's still making really strong music and that album she put out last year is awesome. So um, good luck to her and the rest of the field. All right, we'll catch you later, Katrina. Jan Fran's about to join me as we look at the danger of dating apps and how we can make them safer. So 3 million people use dating apps in Australia now. Um, Jan, Fran and I are not among them. No, because we're a 1,000 years old. (laughs) (laughs) It can be, I imagine, an awesome way to meet people, especially people that are outside your immediate friendship circle, which might have gone a bit stale. Yeah, well, I know heaps of people who've met on dating apps, um, some of whom are married and have great relationships. So, yeah, absolutely it can be. There have been some absolutely harrowing stories you know, including murder Mm. um, from people that have met other dangerous people on dating apps. So the question we're looking at today and the question that's being debated by some pretty important people like the people that run dating apps, people in government, experts is... How do we make them as safe as possible? Yeah, there was um, a really kind of key meeting that happened recently that uh, looked at this question, brought all those people together, and one of the people there was the eSafety Commissioner, Julie Inman-Grant, and she joins us now. 
Julie, thank you so much for joining us on The Briefing. How worried are you about the danger of dating apps? We've seen the worst case scenario with Danielle Finley-Jones and people have been finding that romantic needle in a haystack through dating sites for some time. But I think there are more things we can do to keep Australians safer on dating apps. Tell us the story about um, Danielle Finlay-Jones and were there any points in that story that could have been intercepted or done differently if, if we had the right measures in place? It is a complex story. Uh, She met a partner on Tinder, as many Australians do, and I think they were actually in a relationship. Um, Apparently, he had had some priors in terms of domestic violence, but he may not have been in the criminal justice system. So, gosh... Even if there were some, you know, signs that she was looking for once the relationship started around coercive control, um, we wish that we drastically wish there would have been a different outcome. But it's all been tied back to that um, that meeting on Tinder, and I think it raises some really interesting questions. Um, there have been calls for um, offender registries and um, AVO material to be considered and processed by these overseas dating sites to keep people safe online. But I think that that's a long-term complex and nuanced question. We have to look at things like our privacy rules, um, creating a false sense of security because there will be a lot of offenders um, who haven't interacted with the justice system. Mm. And we don't mm. want people thinking, oh, we've he, they've been verified by Match.com or Bumble. They're fine. We still need people to make smart um, dating decisions. And when they're in what seems to be a destructive relationship, you know, to get the help they need to get out. Mm. You have said that you think that dating apps need to take more responsibility in stamping out bad behaviour, in keeping their users safe. What do you mean by more responsibility? How should they be doing that? We've been working with a number of the dating sites since 2019 to take more of it, what we call a safety by design approach, which makes sense. Assess the risks, build in the safety protections up front, make sure you're using... What what do you um, mean by build in the safety protections up front? What does that mean? What does that actually look mm. like for people using the app? So to give you an example, um, when we first spoke to Match Group, we were very concerned that there were two or three different report abuse functionality, one in-app and one through email. And we said, hey, we know that that, um, sexual assault and harassment are underreported anyway. You're making it very hard for people to report sexual assault and abuse so that you can identify those predators or bad actors on your platforms and take them off. So they actually changed those and made it much more streamlined. Mm-hmm. Um, we then asked them, how are, what are you doing to pick up signals to um, identify and remove bad actors so that they're not just creating massive numbers of fake and imposter accounts and using the same MO? And we call that recidivism, and that's a really hard issue to tackle. Another example would be um, Private Detector, which is a feature in Bumble. We get tons of image-based abuse reports when when, um, non-consensual intimate imagery and videos are shared online without consent. Often that's a factor in relationship retribution if things Mm. don't uh, work out right. So they now prevent um, the sending of unsolicited dick pics or um, intimate images, but they also prevent imagery from being shared in chat. So there are different safety precautions that are being put in there, but there's more that they can do. They can do things like 
um, more in-app messaging around safe dating practices. Like, don't go to a person's home um, if you haven't met them before. Go to a public place. Tell a friend you're going to be there. Make sure you have a ride arranged. They could pick up signals and say, hey, it looks like you're going off the platform onto WhatsApp or onto FaceTime. We can't protect you. The guardrails that we've put up don't exist mm. once you go off platform because that's that's a lot of what we're seeing too. So the amount of dangerous people out there compared to the number of people that have a criminal conviction for domestic violence or partner violence of any kind is vastly different. Such a tiny number of people have ever gone to that extent. What are the other things, you know, up until that point that could be included as signals? Like, could it be anyone who's like any record of anything to do with a, um, an apprehension order or, or, or are there other yeah, is there any other of people's history? Yeah, any other way of knowing more about the person that you're potentially about to meet? Don't we wish we had that um, feature when we were meeting people in bars and pubs? Um, <laughs> well, I met my we, husband yeah. at a bush doof and we're still married. So. Well, and there was security <laughs> at the door of some some bars that kept dodgy looking people out. But um, but yeah, on, I mean, on that question, is there any way that you that these apps can let users know more about who they're potentially meeting? I think they are. I think one of the longer term solutions that's being put forward and some of the platforms do this in the United States is to potentially see if they can connect to um, offender registries. Um, they're talking a little bit about um, 100 points of ID and, you know, verifying people. We also know that the, you know, digital identity needs to mature um, here and elsewhere. I was just serving on a MyGov panel that Bill Shorten put together and we were very, very much focused on digital identity and how do you use the systems that are in place to at least give you um, a better sense of who you're talking to or who you might meet on a date are actually who they say they are. That doesn't ever invalidate um, the need for trusting your gut and um, making sure that when you're meeting person, someone for the first time that you, mm. you know, you're, you're safe. And we don't want that false sense of security. Now, people have also been saying just remove any form of anonymity or pseudonymity on these dating sites. But we have to remember that pseudonymity is really important safety feature for a lot of women mm. who don't want someone that they may be trying to build trust with to know who they are or that they have children or, or for someone from the LGBTQI plus community mm. who is exploring their sexuality and wants yeah. to meet someone but isn't ready to come out. You've met with the heads of three of the key dating apps. Which one do you think is doing better at this stage? Is there one app that stands out as having better safety guardrails than the other two apps? Or at least um, being more enthusiastic to make things safer as well. We're talking to about 30 or 40 different dating app sites. And, Did you, you just know, say 30 to 40? 30 to 40. Well, okay. Match.com owns about 40 different properties. So right. Match owns Tinder and Hinge and Plenty of Fish. Um, and there's I just met with RSVP yesterday. There's Bumble. I think they all are really trying to make concerted efforts. I mean, they understand that their business model is predicated to a certain degree on positivity, less toxicity, and safety on the platform. I mean, this is a PR nightmare for um, for mm. a, a company like Tinder or a service like mm. Tinder. So interestingly, um, Match just advertised and filled a role for a director of safety by design, which actually suggests to me that they're getting serious and they're thinking about systematically um, applying 
safety features up and down the stack and across their services. We'd like to see more of the services sharing information about bad actors where that's possible because what we do see is if there's a bad actor seeking out um, someone on Plenty of Fish, they may be on Bumble as well. So that would be a good sort of signal that that they could share across um, the industry. There are a range of other things that I think could be done to uh, prevent you know, the creation of fake and imposter accounts. Mm. They can use advanced AI and natural language processing mm. to see where um, images are used in multiple accounts, even sometimes the same MO in terms of, um, you know, the pickup line. What about a bit of a old-fashioned kind of online review system where you might be able to say, look, this person made me uncomfortable or I didn't mm. like the way I was treated on, on a date by this person. So these are details that are a long way short of a, a criminal conviction or even an intervention order, but just... Are you saying that, like trip advisor for a date, yeah, like date advisor? this guy seemed a bit dangerous or, you know... Yeah, I mean, there are challenges with that as well. Um, there's obviously defamation law. But you, we also have to remember that when you're into a romance and, you, and you've and you got dopamine with every right swipe and pheromones involved, sometimes people don't make rational decisions. Maybe they, there is a review, but they, uh, it's different with me. I think we should try everything and we should, we should encourage the companies to try more. But there are just a range of challenges um, that in the online dating world that we didn't face in the in real life um, world. So there are things like love bombing, sugar dating, gaslighting, stealthing, trauma bonding, stonewalling, nagging, and deflecting, and a whole range of other potential harms. So we need to make sure um, that women and men that are on dating sites are constantly questioning people's intentions, um, people's identity, and engaging in really safe online behaviors. And we've got a range of information at, uh, at esafety.gov.au in terms of how to engage in safer online dating. Mm. Uh, it just seems too hard, Julie. I think more people should go to Bush Doofs and meet their partners there. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it worked for you. It did. It did. Thanks so much for joining us on the show today. Thank you for having me. That was Julie Inman-Grant. She's the eSafety Commissioner. And I kind of like your idea about the reviews, but I can mm. see it really going haywire. It's, it sounds like a good idea, but it's just it messy. Be, it would be easy to defame people. That, yeah. That would be a, a big problem. And then um, to troll people and, you know, give you know what? someone hates of bad reviews when they're not really that bad a person or vice versa. Yeah. It's hard. That's, that's a challenge, but it works on Uber and I think... Maybe to get around the defamation thing, instead of like writing words, like an actual review, there's a rating, and one of those ratings would be safety. Did this, mm. did this person make you feel safe? One to ten. Maybe being a bit more specific. Yeah. Mm. We should have been at that roundtable meeting. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe this will be tendered as as evidence to the next one. Listener.